Hallelujah. Today we're going to look at a topic which I've entitled The Before, The How, and The After. The Before, The How, and The After. We love pictures of before and after, don't we? Especially the ones that show how good things are becoming, like losing weight. I, I love those. That I can fit in this suit is a big issue for me, trust me. Um, and and that, that's all I'm going to say about that. We love those before and after kind of uh, uh, photos. And, and we usually gasp in shock when it's the other way around. There are some, sometimes um, I'm researching things online and they tell you things like, see if you can remember these Hollywood stars. And they give you a of what they were like in their heyday and what they are like today. And uh, it's, it's shocking. It's not the after that you're looking at, you're looking for. It's not the, the kind of thing you want to talk about to the whole world. But uh, these things happen in life. Trust me, there was a time that I had hair in my head. But now it's, the, 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 that was the before. I used to have all these kind of hairstyles. You'd be shocked if I show you my college photos. But then I won't do that. One, I didn't bring them. And two, even if you came home, I wouldn't bring them out. I'd make sure they're safe. But now I'm losing hair. This is my after. Life does things to you. Last week we were at a wedding and uh, our family, we, we, you know how these days you go to a wedding and there's a photo booth where you can take photos of and so on. So we stood there and photos taken. And later on, my wife and I were going through those photos. And uh, we noticed that we had, in one of the photos, we had struck the same pose that we did, like on our wedding day. We're standing in the same positions, we're looking at each other and we're smiling. It, it's the same what I didn't tell her was that I think I look more like an after in the photo from last week than from 19 years ago. I think I'm bigger, the hair issues are in there, and all these kind of things. You know, life has happened. Before and after happens. We miss in this before and after uh, as much as they are encouraging and inspiring as they are, but we, we miss out on the how these things happen. We just think this is so so before maybe 20 kgs. This is who they are today. What you don't see is the jogging, is the gym, is the is the eating habits that have to change and the persistence that goes with it. We don't usually see that. We just like the end of of, of the of the after um, photo. Where the how is where the rubber meets the road. That is where the work happens. This is where the tears are shed. This is where the sweat comes up. This is where the persistence, the persistence begins to kick in when, when it is very tempting to give up. And yet this is the most critical part of the story of our lives. Today, I want us to look at our before, our how, and our after in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a story that every Christian should have. This is a story that everyone who does not, not yet know Christ should have. 
And I want us to turn to the book of Ephesians from chapter 2. Everybody should have this story. Ephesians chapter 2, turn with me there. From verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen? This, this is a very popular scripture, especially when you look at verse 8 and 9. But in this when, when you look at the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, the story there we are given of a life before Christ. When you read chapter, chapter 2, especially, it's a life before Christ and how God brought us over to have life in God. And then the how also is the before, the after, and the how is, is all in there. Today, claiming the, the promises of God for our lives, we are saying, let's begin with the after. We are saying where we are today here is the after God has done the work. This is where I want us to start. We're going to look at the picture. We're going to begin with the end in mind. This is... This is who we are, we are today, and this is how we're going to move forward in life. We move forward when we look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse, verse 1. It says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. We are alive in God. Verse 5 tells us a similar thing. Even when we are dead in trespasses, made alive together with This is who we are today. We, we are attuned to, this, to the things of God. We can understand God's will. We can appreciate God's will. We want to read the Bible more. We want to pray. We want to be with God's people. We want to share the gospel with others. We understand that we are, we are, we are on our way towards heaven. Eternity is set for us. That's what the Bible tells us, as we shall see later on. In, chapter, in verse 13 of, the, of, of chapter 2 of Ephesians, it, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now we are near to God. Nothing wrong with the church. But there was a sense in which you were never to, to be near God. That was for, for the priests. Everybody else sat there. For you to even come to the altar, you needed to go through stuff. And it was very elaborate and very detailed. And there was no way you're going to go to the next level if you didn't pass that level. Okay? But through Jesus Christ, we understand that we have been brought near to God. Hallelujah. In fact, the Bible says that the very name of, that was given to Jesus, one of the names that was given to Jesus is 
Emmanuel, which means with us. He is not just near, he is with us. Hallelujah. So God has made sure that our life now is a life where we are connected with Christ. This is the after picture. This is the finished product. Hallelujah. This is the finished product. And it's great. The Bible says in verse 14. The Bible says in verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. He's talking about the work that Jesus Christ did. He has become our peace. He has become our peace. Before we knew Jesus Christ, we, we didn't have peace. If you know Jesus Christ, you know what I'm talking about. We were not a peaceful people. We were conflicted. But now, the finished picture is that we have peace because we are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Chapter 1, verse 7 says that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Today we can stand and say, I am forgiven. Everything that I used to be, everything that I was, that was displeasing to God, all that is forgiven. And in God's ledger, it has done nothing ever. We're forgiven. Whatever it is that you did or you were, God forgave you if you are in Christ Jesus. That is good news. That's a picture I want you to see. Every time you come and look at my photo albums or my gallery in my phone, I want you to see that picture. That the, I, I am forgiven. I want you to see that picture. That as far as God is concerned, you are forgiven. But many times the challenge is we don't forgive ourselves. We, we, we just can't think, oh, the kind of person that I want, how can God forgive me? Well, that's why it's called grace. Hallelujah. Verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 1, it says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. There are two things in that scripture I want you to, to show. Number one, we are saved. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are saved. Saved from what? From the coming judgment. Saved from the, the penalty of sin, which the Bible tells us in Romans 3, 6 verse 23, that the penalty of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And we are saved from that. And it was Jesus Christ who paid that price with his life. It's good. The after picture looks really good. In verse 19, okay, the, the second thing I forgot to, to say. The other thing is that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This is a kind of sealing that is more or less like a deposit. You know how you go to, you want to have a, a chair made or some kind of furniture made, and you go and they say, okay, we can make this for you. And then the next thing that they say, okay, but for us to start doing this job, we expect you to pay a deposit of so much, maybe 50%, maybe 75%. That's what God has done with us. When we receive Jesus Christ in our lives, he gives us his Holy Spirit, and he says, this is my deposit. I am coming back for this one. Amen? I'm coming back for this one. When Jesus Christ comes back, he's marked his very own with his Holy Spirit. Available only to those who have got Christ in their lives. 
But this is the Holy Spirit, whom the Bible says that He's our guide. He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He is going to tell you things that come from God. He is going to guide you. He is going to be your counselor. He is going to be your teacher. Everything that you need worked out or anything that you need to know, the Holy Spirit is going to tell you. Last week we saw that the Holy Spirit is the one who tells us the thoughts of God. We have access to the thoughts of God through the Holy Spirit. And God makes sure that he sealed his Holy Spirit in us. Verse 19, chapter 1 of Ephesians, the Bible says, And he is exceedingly great, and what is the exceedingly greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and he seated him, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, we are also taught it, the power that raised Jesus Christ from, from the dead, the one which has been talked about here in verse 19 and 20, it is that same power which is at work in us. And he says that power is the one that gives life to immortal bodies. Hallelujah. We could go on and on and talk about how good the Spirit of God is to us, but I'm telling you, He is good. And it is great that we have the Spirit of God in us. The picture looks good. God has done all that he can for us to have a good picture, for us to show around and say, this is our after. Remember, there's a before and there's a how, right? But we've studied at the, at the after. And it's deliberate. I didn't want to say before, how and after. I'm saying, let's start with the after. This is what it looks like. It, it looks like we, we are saved. We are blessed. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. It looks to me that we are forgiven. We are being given the spirit of God so that we are not left as orphans. We are the ones who have been God has lavished his love upon us. First John chapter 3. He's lavished his love in our lives so that we experience what it's like to be with God. God is with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us no matter what we are going through. Hallelujah. I don't know where you are right now. There may be a sickness. There may be a tough situation at work. I don't, God is there. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And don't you make the mistake of saying, I think God has left me. Uh-uh. The times when you look back and you only see one foot, set of footprints in the sand, it's God who's carrying you. Because as far as he is, he is concerned, he has made a covenant that he will never leave those that are his. Amen? No matter what kind of pain you're going through, and trust me, we go through pain. We go through painful circumstances, unjust circumstances. Even as people of God, simply because we belong to God. Contracts will pass us by because you are somebody's child. You are a child of God. And they'll say, no, we can't work with you. If you don't do this, we can't work with you. Things happen. But God says, I will not leave you alone. Unless I cease to be God, I will never leave you alone. Sometimes it is us who do the abandoning. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. The Bible says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. 
another word for convey is transfer. So what God had did is that he took us from the kingdom of darkness and he put us in the kingdom of the son whom he loves. That's where you and I are. The kingdom where forgiveness reigns. Where your secrets told are never told. Hallelujah. Verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We have been redeemed. Now to buy is different from redeem. It's very different. When you want to buy something, you're going to get some, you're going to exchange your money with something that you never had before. Alright? So I will say, I'm coming to you because you are selling, let's say, uh, beef. And I want to have beef for supper. I'll come to you, I'll give you the money that you're charging, and I'll get the beef. That is buying. Redeeming is different. I remember, I don't know why I've got this example, but I remember it now, years later. But I was a fan of this cartoon, Pink Panther. <laughs> in one of the episodes, Pink Panther is, is set off for a holiday. And in his pink car, obviously, with pink everything. Um, but he's a dude. It's not even, it's not a she's a he. But he, he has a flat tire on a steep hill. He has a flat tire, so he parks on the side and he takes off that tire. And uh, he's about to put in the, the new tire. Okay, he takes out the spare tire. He puts it on the side. And as he's finished taking off this other tire, uh, the, the punctured one, the good one rolls off downhill. And as you know, those episodes, he goes into all sorts of things. He's, he's in this tire. It goes through a donut shop, a coffee shop, knocks out some things, and he's in trouble. He rushes up. And the, the, of all the places this tire could end up in, it ends up in a shop where they sell tires. And they were pink tires. So he goes to get his tire, and the shop owner says, no, 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 you're stealing. You need to pay for this tire. And he's trying to explain, there's my car. And he says, no, this is my, this is my shop. I these this, this tires, and you're going to have to pay for it. Make a long story short, what does the guy do? He pays for his own tire. That is redeeming. Hallelujah. That is redeeming. It's not buying. And that's what the Bible is telling us here, that in whom, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. He redeemed us. We did not belong to the kingdom of the evil one. We belonged to God. But through our sin, the devil had rightful claim on our lives. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he came to say, these are mine, give them to me. And the devil was saying, ah, uh -uh, they are rightfully mine, and you know the principles, you know the rules. You can't have them unless you pay. And he says, fine, I will pay for them myself. And he pays on the cross of Calvary. And you and I today are looking so good on this side, smiling and saying, hallelujah, we're going to heaven, because Jesus redeemed us. The picture of our after looks good. But he took crap to pay. In John chapter 3, verse 15 and verse 16, it says the same things. We have the eternal, eternal life. Amen? We have eternal life. For those of you who are taking notes, you can, you can take down 1 John chapter 5 to 13. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 to, to, to 13. The Bible says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. What has he given us? Eternal life. And this life is in his son. Hallelujah. Where is eternal life? 
in a son. And who is the son of God? Jesus Christ. Now, it continues to say, he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. Now, work with me, class. If you have the son of God, what else do you have? What kind of life? Now, who is that son of God? If you don't have Jesus, you do not have eternal life. If you have Jesus, you have eternal life. Yes, eternal life is going to be lived out for all eternity when, when we get to heaven. But God makes sure that he'll give us a glimpse of what is to come. And you're blessed. He makes sure that we know what is going to come. Somebody, so how do you know you're saved? How do you know you have eternal life? And this was a new Christian. And he says, I don't know. I just, you know, I just, that's what he was doing. I just, it's there. The Bible calls it the witness of the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8. The Holy Spirit makes sure that you know that you are set for eternity. And trust me, when you, you, when you speak with people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, when you speak about where are eternity, they may, they may deny and say, oh, eternity doesn't exist. Or when we die, that's the end of it. It, it ends there. But truly, truly, they know. When they get home, those times when you meet yourself, you know those times, you're about to sleep. Those times when, when who you really are shows up, you know there's an eternity. And when people are not sure of their eternity, it's a miserable way to live within there. Our after picture looks good. We are set for eternity. When you look at the Bible in Revelation chapter 20 all the way to 22, our eternal destiny is awesome. I keep marveling about the city that God is building. 2,000 kilometers long, Thousand kilometers wide, two thousand kilometers high. How do you build apartments in a city like that? But we are told that the streets are made of gold. We are told that there is a river which runs from the from the throne of God. To know, I want to drink from that river. We are told that the gate, the, the foundation stone is one pearl is a foundation stone, and there are twelve of them. It's an amazing place. I don't know how we're going to transport it. I don't know, but I know we're going to be served. I know worship is there. That's why I'm still in the worship team. You know, it's just prepare for what is to come. I know worship is there. I know there will be rulers there. We shall be worshiping and, and, and praising God and, and doing errands in his behalf. It's going to be a lovely place. There is no sun there. Don't worry about skin tan and everything. And sunscreen and all these things. Don't worry about it. The glory of God is the one which is going to give us the light. The most amazing thing about heaven is not about the gold and the silver and the burial and all these kind of stones and, and the food that is there. Yes, we will eat in heaven. I don't think we will gain weight. Hallelujah. But it's going to be an amazing place where God is with, with his people. So he has given us a foretaste of what is to come. If your life, if your, if, if your walk with Christ right now is boring, trust me, you're not prepared for heaven. Because if God is with us now, and is going to be with us for eternity, and what we have now is a foretaste of what is going to come, you had better work on that relationship and make it the best you can ever get. Hallelujah. It is a glorious way to live. It's not the most popular way. But it is the best way. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 5 tells us that we have the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16 tells us that we have the mind of God. You and I are so 
unfairly advantaged against anyone else who does not know the Lord because we have the mind of Christ. We can we can hear the, 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 the thoughts of God. We can speak the thoughts of God. We can do things in a way that people cannot understand. The Bible says that the word of God makes the simple wise. Amen? Just, just a simple person. I remember one brother was talking the other day. He said he was doing a, a Bible study. And in this Bible study, there were pastors and there were deacons and a few other church members. And there was this young man. He was about maybe 16 or 17. And they were, look, they were, they were looking into Matthew chapter 5 where they talk about being the, the light of the world and the sword of the earth and so on. So they were discussing sword. And they said, okay, so let's look at the, the, the properties of sword. What about sword? Is it that we can share to each other? And people are saying, well, sword is, um, it tastes good. Too much of it is not nice. And all these, the chemical composition and people, people went all this way and that. And this young man was just sitting there. And at the very end, he sheepishly raises his hand. And, 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 and our, our brother says, yes, what do you want to share about sword? He said, sword is cheap. Nobody had thought about that. Sword is cheap. God's word makes the simple wise. Hallelujah. God's word makes the simple wise. And I want you to close by going to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And no, we're not going to look at it. We're not going to look at 17. Uh, we're too used to that. <laughs> uh, 2 Corinthians verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The Bible says that we are ambassadors of Christ. Now, ambassadors, one of the things that I had to change was thinking that an ambassador is, is a representative of the country where they come from. But it's not exactly that. When you are an ambassador, you are a representation of the rule of the country where you come from. So did you know got in trouble and you ran all the way to city center and you went into, let's say, the American the American government couldn't touch you. They would have to go through a lot of protocol to get you out of there. Because as far as they are concerned, you are in the USA. If you run to the Mozambican embassy, they won't touch you. Because as far as they are concerned, you are in Mozambique. That's not a representative. That is a representation. Hallelujah. There was a big hullabaloo about the times when uh, there was tear gas flowing, uh, you know, that time, and it went into the U.S. Embassy, and the ambassador was there, and so on and so forth. That was a huge diplomatic issue. Because the understanding was, you have tear gas the U.S.A. If you don't understand diplomacy, there was a lot at stake that time. But by God's grace, they decided to let it go. Maybe. We don't know what happens in the background. But the Bible is telling us that we are ambassadors of Christ. When people meet you, they should say, this is Christ. Amen? You are the only Christ people are going, ever going to meet. You, the way you are. 
you are God's representation. Amen. That's the picture God sees. That's the after God sees. This is who we are now. This is the complete picture. But it's not complete without appreciating who we were before. So I want us to look at the before. Okay? Remember our picture is the before and the after. And we're going to look at the how as well. And I know there are others who are thinking, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm a Christian, but if this is who I'm supposed to be, then it's not looking good. Don't worry, we'll cover that. Now, the before is the story we do not like to tell. It's, it has all the blood, all the sweat, and all the tears we don't want the world to know. This is where we would like our families not to say anything about. One of the things I really didn't like about my mom was that there were times she would get together with my wife and she would be showing her pictures when I was a baby and a toddler. And those were not nice pictures. But she loved them so much. That was before. She liked to show those pictures. <laughs> I remember there was a picture. I, I was so angry. I had a stone in, in my... I think I had a stone in my left hand and there was a bandage in my right hand. And the, the, the story I'm told was that uh, one of my sisters had snapped my hand with a door. And my rock in the hand was the revenge that she was going to get. And so somehow my father convinced me and said, if I take a picture, please don't stone your sister. So they do work. But I don't like that picture. I, I don't. <laughs> because it tells something that I would like to keep with them. The story of the before has got shame for most of us. Our before has got helplessness. Our before has got hopelessness. Our before has got friendlessness. I mean friendlessness. Our before has got despair. Our before has got a dark and gloom that takes us towards death. So towards a certain ending that we don't want to think about, but it's there, it's inevitable, it's shining in our face. And the Bible gives us that picture too. In chapter 2, verse 1 of the book of Ephesians, the Bible tells us that, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. As far as God is concerned, when we were, not, we were out of Christ, before we knew Christ, if you do not know Christ, this is where you are. You are dead in your trespasses and in your sin. And the Bible tells us in verse 2, that in, in which you once walked according to the course of this earth. In which you, 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 you walked in what? You walked in the sins. You walked in the trespasses. Okay? Because that's the way the world, work, the world works without Jesus Christ. And this, no matter how you frame it, whether you say, oh, we are free, or we are, I remember back in, this, in the late 60s and the early 70s, there was a sex revolution. And they were, they were the hippies and so on. And each generation has come up with their own labels, labeling themselves. And they are saying basically, we are okay without God. But here's the thing. While you think that it is your life and you are ruling your life, the Bible tells us that according to the prince of the power of the air, that's how you live. So it's really certain bringing in different kinds of names on the way we want to live life on our own terms. But really, we're thinking it is our own wisdom. It's not. 
See, the devil knows how to stroke different folks. They're saying those different strokes for different folks. So if you're so stuck up on your culture, the devil just knows how to manipulate your culture and keep you in bondage. If you think you're intellectual, the devil knows how to manipulate even the intellectual world and keep you in bondage. Just on, 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 I think it was yesterday morning, I was speaking with a medical doctor and said, you have no idea the kind of errors that are being made in medicine that are killing people. The patients are doing what the doctor told them to do. But what they are doing, told by their doctor, is killing them. And did you know that there is research that has actually revealed that apart from cancer and heart failure, heart disease, <laughs> medicines are the third largest killer in the US. You think that's in the US, it's here too. You read the medicines that we, we, we take, there, there are all sorts of <laughs> yeah, all sorts of aspects that even the doctors don't know how to deal with. And as I was watching this interview, this doctor says, you know, how you prescribe this medicine and that medicine and that medicine for one person. Each of those medicines has got side effects. And there are cases where this chemical composition from this medicine and that one and that one make a totally different poison that kills the patient. And they're scratching their heads wondering why are they not getting well? But there's a whole industry behind it too. It's about the profits and so on and so forth. I'm not saying don't drink, don't take your medicine. I'm just telling you that Satan has infiltrated every aspect of our lives. We think we are doing it in our own power, but he is indeed um, making things in such a way that we, as the Bible says, are on in obedience with the spirit who works disobedience against God. That's not a good picture. In Romans chapter 6, verse, verse 23, I, I referred to this um, before. That the wages of sin is death. It's spiritual death, it's also physical death. When God told Adam and Eve that the day you shall eat of it, you shall die, he meant it. And when they ate, they died spiritually. They disconnected to God. And it doesn't stop there. Because then we see that they begin to get old. And they die. That's the wages of sin. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5. I think we should turn to Romans chapter 5. Verse 6. The Bible says, For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Our before is when we were weak. This version of the Bible says, when we were without strength, when we were weak. When you do not have Christ, you, have, you are weak. I have told you of times when we have gone to the mortuary and people say, okay, now um, we'd like some men you think men are, are, are tough inside? Okay, I would like some men to go and get out the, the coffin. I, I have seen men give excuses you wouldn't believe for not going inside there. People are scared of death. Scared. They don't know how to handle it. 
or when it's time to go and view the, 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 the face, you know, and so on. People are scared. They don't know how to handle that. And many times it reminds them of their own weakness when it comes to eternity. But Christ died for us to take away that kind of fear. Amen. Verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, he did not wait for us to get better. He did not wait for us to clean ourselves up. The way we were, Christ came. I want you to know that if you are in this before uh, phase, it, it, it's okay to come, come to Christ the way you are. The popular song, that the song that was popularized by the late David Graham, Just As I Am Without Wounding. You, you just come the way you are. And God will sort you out. Because don't you know, if you can sort yourself out, you don't need God. There's no point for you to believe in God, to trust in God. For something that only God can do. Hallelujah. So we were, we were weak, we were sinners, and then verse 10 shows us something else. If, we, for if, we, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We were enemies of God. In fact, what God had to do was to fight against us. But he didn't. That's grace. Amen? That's grace. You don't save your enemy when it comes to the way people think. When your enemy is in trouble, naturally, what do you want to do? When your enemy is in trouble, what do you want to do? You want to celebrate. If you could, you thank you so much. That's, that's very honest. The rest of you are like, you know, very holy. <laughs> and if you don't have enemies, we should talk after the service. <laughs> okay? The temptation is there. If you could multiply your enemies' troubles ten times, you would do it. But that's not what God did with us. We were his enemies. We didn't understand him. We were weak. We were sinners. And yet we were, we were spitting God in the face, as it were. And yet he still says, I'm still going to send Jesus Christ to die for you. So that when you believe in him, you have eternal life. You, you are reconnected to me. So, this is a very dark picture. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it says that, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. If you do not have the spirit of Christ, which comes through receiving Christ Jesus, then you don't believe to God. You are an enemy of God, which means all the wrath of God is coming down upon you unless you receive Jesus Christ. That is a dark picture. I would rather have 10,000 demons after me and I'm on God's side than for me to be after God with whatever power I would think I would go after God. We couldn't please God in our before life. We tried. We tried to go to church, we tried to do everything that was told we, we were told we needed to do, but we couldn't please God. When it comes to pleasing God, you realize you are powerless. You realize there are things, there are habits that just overpower you just like that. You tell yourself, I'll not do this again. I'll not do this again. I'll not do this, this again. You get out of the bedroom, you're in the corridor, your, your sister or your brother or somebody just, you know, uh, brush shoulders hard and 
Although you beat them up again and say, oh Lord, I'm just going to impress you with it. Because we're powerless. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not still again. I'm not still. Sometimes when people say, certain made me do it. When people say, Satan and Anita, I think there's some ring of truth to it. Much as there's responsibility that we need to take. But people come to a point where they can help themselves, but they just need to go get one more drink. It's because they're in bondage. When you're at that point, sometimes it's a temper that is out of control. Sometimes, sometimes it's words that we speak to each other, cutting words or words that put down. We, we just need to come to that point and know that we cannot please God in our own strength. Because by faith, only by faith, we, are we able to please God. They just shall live by faith. Now that is a dark picture. Each one of us has a version of that picture. It has happened to all of us. We just seem to pose differently. Amen. Each one of us has a, has a story of our past. If we're in Christ now, we have a story of our past. And we just pose differently. Okay? We just pose different. Perhaps it's a different camera. Perhaps it's a selfie. Maybe you ask a family friend to do it for you. I don't know. Maybe a professional photographer or, or somebody. I don't know. But for some, it's drug abuse. For some, it's, it's theft or sexual immoral lifestyle. For others, it's a religious life. Maybe it's theft. Maybe it's bad, bad language. But, but as far as God is concerned, it's the same shot. It's the same picture. You need Christ. Okay? Christ. It's the same picture. My story of coming to Christ is different from yours. If you have that story, it's different. But it's the same job. It's the same picture. The type that God wants to retake. It's a picture that God says, no, 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 it's not good enough. I think <laughs> I, I'm going to have to clean you up first. I've got a wardrobe for you. The righteousness of Jesus Christ, because our own righteousness is just filthy. It's filthy. He can't do it. So he says, you know, you've gone, you, have you been to those photo studios where they say they're changing you, and you can come with different changes of clothes? God has got clothes for you already for this next shot that He wants to take of you. He has a wardrobe just for the occasion. Amen. But He'll never force it. It's just unlikely to force it upon you. The retake process is a process that we need to go through. And that takes us to the hammer. Remember, we talked about the after, how we walk, we were looking right now, or supposed to look right now. Now we've been talking about the before. Now I want to talk about the before. Processes are part of our lives wherever we go. There are others in this room right now, they are processing a loan, a job application, a bank withdrawal, a deposit, you're processing breakfast right now, if you had breakfast. Driving is a process, walking is a process, cycling is a process, writing is a process, cooking is a process. Life is about processes and God has got his own processes for us to move from the before to the after. Amen. Now this is what scripture outlines. Some of these uh, scriptures we already, we already looked at. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. You need to acknowledge that you are a sinner. The Bible says in those verses that we are all sinners. 
and they were falling short of the glory of God. Everybody starts from ground zero. Listen, nobody was born, born again. Okay? Nobody was born, born again. Babies, no matter how cute they look, they're sinners. And sometimes, because we spend so much time, we've been in the Lord for so long, we, we seem to forget this fact. I remember one time we had a family occasion, and uh, there were drinks going around, and, and I was serving the drinks. I was uh, much younger then. These days, they serve me the drinks, because I'm growing older. But the, 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 the bottles came, and, and nobody had an opener. So I said, no problem, and we did what we did with bottles, you know? We take one bottle and the other one and use it, do the rubric and so on. And one of my uncles said, Hey, I thought you were born again. Where did you learn this? I wasn't always born, born again. That was my answer. But I wasn't born, born again. Everybody starts from recognizing that you're a sinner. Amen. And then we need to acknowledge that God has given us his free gift to save us from our sin. Through Jesus Christ. Romans 6 verse 23. Amen. We need to acknowledge that God's gift to us is eternal life through Jesus Christ. He came to die for us to be saved from the penalty of sin. And in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 I will read it. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. It says I'll start from verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that in the word of faith, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, confess what? To confess is basically to agree, although we usually use it in the negative sense of confessing sin. But confession is basically to agree with. So if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is that simple. Now it continues to explain. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's, it's a step of faith. Amen? Actually, it's a step of faith that is also based on historic fact. Because Jesus Christ was an actual person who lived on this planet. And when you go to his grave, he is not there. We've read about it. There are those who have told us about it. The scripture says, history validates what scripture had already said. What God had already decided before the foundation of the world. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. So what we need to do is to get to that point. Everyone should have that story of confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead. That, as far as the Bible is concerned, that's how you become born again. Amen. I know there are different versions to this, but today we're going with this one. Hallelujah. That is the how. It is so simple that people miss it. Amen. Simplicity sometimes fools us because 
in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, um, the, the, the preacher says that God has made things plain and simple, but we have sought out many devices. Another, another version says, but we have become so complicated. You know, for you to secure eternal life, all you need is to confess that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. It is that simple. It's not complicated. There's another religion where for you to become uh, a convert of that religion, you just say a certain phrase three times and that's it. After that, you are expected to do X, Y, Z. Whether you say it with faith or not, it is not an issue. But you just say it three times. This is even simpler. They actually tell you what to say and what to believe. And, and your eternity is set. Amen? And your life on this earth changes. No, you may not see angels coming, thunderstorm and everything because you have received Jesus Christ. But you know that you know that you know something has happened. Amen. The day that I received Christ, I remember going back to our hostels, um, and and one of our of our friends he came to me and says, "You, you just look happy. What's what's going on? Something changes in you when you confess Christ as Lord. When you confess that He is risen from the dead. Amen. When you ask Him into your life, something happens. Things begin. You have done a spiritual transaction." It may take longer or shorter to show up in your life, but it has happened. Amen. It has happened. And God begins to work in your life to make sure that you begin to experience his love and his forgiveness, his guidance, the fellowship of his people. There's, you begin to grow in the things of God. You move from being just a baby to becoming a toddler, a teenager, and on to adulthood and maturity. Hallelujah. It's a great thing. It's a simple thing. And yet, yet that's what it is all about. Amen. Some of the, of the solutions that have come up in terms of um, uh, problems that, that were there and the kind of solutions that can... You know, the, after 9-11, after you can't go into the cockpit. Okay? Unless you're a pilot. And I think it's one of the stewards only that goes there to serve the pilots and something like that. Okay, but the solution was very simple. They put the locks on the inside only. Simple. So hijackers have got problems with, with, with going through that door, and they're much more stronger doors. A simple solution to this problem. A story goes, I don't know whether it is true, uh, maybe it's urban legend. They say that after the NASA, you know, NASA, the guy who put the, the rockets in space and so on, they had spent years and millions and billions of dollars trying are coming up with a pen, a pen that they, they could use, anti-gravity pen that they could use, the astronauts could use in space. The Russians, they use pencils. Pencils. You don't need gravity to use a pencil. Simple solution. Here it is. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. You just confess and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is God and God raised in front of you. Amen. We close it. If you are living in the after, if you have Jesus Christ, I congratulate you. It's a great life. It's a great life to live. I'm not saying it's easy, I'm not saying it's trouble-free, but it's a great life to live. You have Christ you can run to. And I want to encourage you 
to continue keeping on. The picture is still being developed. Amen? God is still working on us. There are things God will use that happening in our lives that, that are, God will use to make sure this picture is, 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 is perfect. It's picture perfect. Amen? I'm thinking now of that song. In other words, the way we have given our daughter to you in marriage, please keep them that way. If anything, they should be better. Because we know at, at bridal showers and things, they tell them, yeah, you need to take care of send off. You need to take care of our own. Yeah, make sure you, you're working on that hair. Uh, it's your responsibility, sir. Make sure she looks even much better. And so on and so forth. It's the same idea. Just that you have received Christ doesn't mean you pick your legs up and you say, ah, I'm waiting for Christ to come back and rock us to heaven. No, he's going to be working on that picture. Amen? In improving it. So that when he comes on that day, he's going to get for himself a bride without spot or wrinkle. Hallelujah. Keep working on it. It's a fight to the end we cannot afford to lose. Just keep walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the developer complete his work. Amen? Keep walking with the Lord. But I've also just outlined how you can help somebody come to faith in Jesus Christ. What you can do, how you can explain it. Get the podcast, listen to it. I've just equipped you with a way of how you can share Christ with somebody. Introduce somebody to eternity with God. Amen. So use it. Use it. At the very least, if you can't memorize all these verses, oh, Pastor, you spoke, you spoke to a lot of verses and you are using notes, maybe if I meet somebody, I won't be able to use notes. I just want to encourage you, do what that blind man did. At the very least, you should be able to tell those who are asking you that. At the very least, this was his testimony. I was blind, now I see. And when they ask him, who did this? They, they want the one they called Jesus. He's the one who put mud in my face and he told me to go and wash. Amen? It's simple. It's as simple as before I came to Christ, this was the kind of life I was living. Please, don't be too graphic. Now I receive Christ and this is how I receive Christ. I went to a meeting, somebody shared the word of God, it made sense to me, I was convicted and I, this is how I prayed and now I am a Christian. You are giving somebody an answer. They may not pray right there. But again, there are those times, there are those times that come to each and every one of us where you meet yourself. They will remember what you have told them. Amen? It's very simple. As simple as you know, before I knew Jesus Christ, reading the Bible didn't make sense to me. And then one day I went to a Bible study. There was this guy, he was explaining scripture and he just made and so on and so forth. And you, you explain exactly what happened to you for you to receive Christ. Because trust me, this is the simple solution most people don't talk about. So because we don't talk about it much, most people don't know. You and I are the answer. Amen? You and I are the answer. You and I are the answer. You, you answer that someone and say, this is what I've been looking for. I know that Jesus Christ is the answer, but you have told me the how. Amen? You have told me the how. And so I'm going to do it. 
Sometimes it's just a question of the heart. Just the question of the heart. Share it. If you're in the before section, then you know exactly what to do. If you're in this tent and you're in the before section, you know exactly what to do. You need to confess Christ, that God raised him from the dead. Confess it with your heart, and he's going to change you. He's going to come into your life, and he's going to be the, pre- the presiding officer. He's going to change your life in a way that you've never expected. Amen. If you're in the house section, keep going. Because there are some, like me, I knew I needed to do it. But the how was just too simple for me. I, I, it just sounded too simple to be something that would change my life. And I was stuck in there for quite a while. But when I did make the decision, I made the decision because there was a clearly laid out plan. Keep going, and God will honor his work. The after picture is a continued work of progress. We have to keep evaluating ourselves. Just like my wife and I are planning for a new photo shoot. Amen. So that my after is good. <laughs> May the Lord bless you. And I encourage you. Find somebody to share your story. Tell them how you came to the Lord. Amen. And I'm deliberately saying, don't bring them to church. Don't tell them about KICC. Tell them about what God did in your life. Think kingdom. Think about the king's agenda. Because after all, this is King's Way International Christian Center. Think the king's way. And before long, this place is Christian. Amen. You can actually reach a point where you say, don't come to this church. Let me, let me recommend another church for you. We are too full. You can come to that point. Bless other churches with members because you are too full. You can come to that point. There's a brother in, in, uh, in Brazil, um, Apostle Maldonado. Early on in his ministry, what he used to do is, he would have church Monday, uh, every, the first week, I think the first three weeks, if it was a four-week four month. The final week, he would take his entire church and visit another church. So they are tithes, they are offering what they would give there. And they would just want to bless you. It opened up an imaginable doors. That's thinking kingdom. When you know that God's work is bigger than who we are here. God's work is bigger than where you are. There are people I will never meet. This past um, week, and we, we had the privilege to lead somebody to the Lord. It was, it was amazing. But that's somebody you can't meet because they're in my circles. You meet with other people who are not in my circles. So if you're just waiting, oh, pastor will talk to them, pastor will talk to them, it may never happen. You talk to them. You share their story, your story. Because they know you. This is the before, the how, and the after. Hallelujah. So this is where um, I'm ending this sermon. But I'm going to do something strange. Does anyone have any question from what I've said? We don't usually do this. But I want to I want to give this opportunity. Does anyone have any question on what I've said?
super pleasant to be But so that we don't remain in this awkward silence. <laughs> okay, yes, right. If the actor has got some horns, how do you mend them? Actually, thank you. I was I was meant to address that issue. <laughs> when you receive Jesus Christ, everybody knows that it's not all a bed of roses for us to open. We go through stuff. Amen. It is a you, you have you have to go through a process, a mentoring process, which Jesus Christ instituted in Matthew chapter twenty-eight. When you look from verse nineteen to twenty, Jesus instituted a mentoring process. He's he basically told, let, let's go there. Um, and you see this playing out very well in Acts chapter 2, by the way. But Jesus tells them, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and, the Holy, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. The teaching bit. You need to be somebody who is teachable. When you look at the apostles and what they were doing in their early ministry, they were praying, there was fellowship, there was teaching, there was a breaking of bread. Remember that, 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 that formula? I think we, I preached on this sometime, some time, some, some few years ago. But you need to be in a place where you are being taught to appreciate who you are in Christ and how you relate to Jesus Christ. When you sleep up, how do you do it? Maybe you've got some, some, some character flaws that you need to work on. What do you do? How do you use the word of God to grow in your work with the Lord Jesus Christ? There needs to be a mentoring process, a mentoring relationship with somebody. It may be group, it may be one-on-one, -on -one, which is why we encourage a lot of uh, uh, meeting in, in, in our CHFs. You may point CHF, but you may even meet with friends somewhere at work and just begin to look at the word of God and how God is, is, is how we should allow God to work in our lives. So there's a whole mentoring process there that is, that is supposed to be going on. Second Timothy 2 verse 2 says the same thing. Paul tells Timothy, he says, the things you have heard me preach in the presence of many, those things you should teach to others who will be able to teach others as well. You, you bring somebody along and you say, this is how it's done. Amen? This is now a whole sermon altogether, but you couldn't have Elisha if you didn't have Elijah. You couldn't have Jesus' apostles if you didn't have Jesus with them in that mentoring relationship. There are mentoring relationships all over scripture. You need to have somebody to guide you through your walk with Christ. Amen? If you don't have that person, you'll be stagnant. The picture that God would have taken and you are in the after zones will just be there and it will be deteriorating with time. But we need to submit ourselves to God constantly and let God continue to develop that picture. Okay? That's, that's the short answer to a very... That's the short version of the, of the long answer. That's the whole sermon in itself. It's about mentoring relations. It's about accountability. We couldn't have Paul if there was no Barnabas. The guy who took him under his wing and started teaching. He took him under his wing because his before was so terrible. This guy used to kill Christians like you and me. They would have met him. He would come round us up and have us killed with stones. That's how they used to be. So this Paul now claims that he's now one of you. Like it happened in my college days. Uh, one brother 
Maybe somebody with a physical background, the other person passed out, and he had to nurse this person and so on. So I heard about the incident. The next day, I'm going to minister at Council College, and I'm told, oh, this guy wants to see you. I said, who? said, this guy, who, who just beat somebody with a baseball bat in the head? He wants to see me. He said, yes, it's very important. Now. So I went to his room, and I was wondering, are there more baseball bats? You know? But I got there and he said, when, when I thought about my life and what has just happened, I really need Jesus Christ. And I prayed with him to receive Christ. And I had to start teaching him. So now this is how the Christian life works and so on and so forth. The, the one day I took him to a weekly fellowship, you should have seen people look at him, the judgment in people's eyes. Is he really a believer? You could see them saying that. They weren't saying it, but that's what was coming across. And we had to have the chaplain so that he gives his testing on Sunday. And that's when we kind of, people kind of like, oh yeah, now we are So I understand where Paul comes from. Because this guy was killing you. <laughs> you're like, you're tight. And now he's saying, I'm a believer now. Christ has sent me to preach and all that and all that. And people weren't ready to take him. And Barnabas says, you come with me. And as you are reading, you begin to read Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Paul. Somewhere things flipped and it's Paul and Barnabas and Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. And then Barnabas is even out of the picture, it's Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas. What happened? Barnabas mentored Paul for him to become who he became. And Paul in turn had people like Titus, he had people like Timothy, he had people. It, it must multiply mentoring relationships. And these are things you need to be doing with our children. These are things you need to be with our friends. Amen? Is one of those places. If you don't have it, set it up. I've said, set it up. If you don't know what to say, call me. We'll talk. I, I will tell you. So, amen? It's all neatly organized and it's in scripture. It, it's just been organized nicely by, by KSCC. And you see people talk. That was one question. Another one? Before we. We've got about 10 minutes before I get off here. No other questions. If there are more questions, find me after the service. I know you're Malawians. If I ask, what will you do? Okay. <laughs> but it's alright. I know somebody may be asking, I really need to be trained in how to share the gospel. How to share my story. And so, let's talk. Amen? Let's talk. But if Sharing the before, the how, and the after. Get more people into the kingdom. That's my heart's desire. If we can only commit to do that, you will see God act out Matthew 6 33. Matthew 6 33 will become a reality in life where God will be adding on all the things that people run after and seek because you have been committed to investing in His kingdom. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this word, for speaking with us about the before we were with you, the how and the after. Lord, I pray that you release us 
as arrows of heart of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that have not known you yet. We are the messengers of this gospel. You have made us ambassadors. When people meet with us, they should see you. They should experience heaven. I pray for open doors, open opportunities for your people. Even beginning today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, O oh God, that your word will never go back to your empty. Help us, O oh Lord, to catch on this vision as you have planned clearly in Scripture and make it a part of who we are. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, anyone who brought a tithe or you paid the tithe during the week or that was a bank transfer or what? I'd like to just you know, to stand and I pray with you. Okay. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you grant us to obey your scripture. Even I pray, O oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus, that you open the windows of heaven even wider. Your thoughts are in the name of Jesus Christ. And pour out even so much more blessing than she can handle. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. And Father, thank you for the offerings that have been brought into your house. I pray your blessing upon them as they do the work of ministry in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our offerings.
one in church. Thank you for announcement. Thank you, praise him. And also, thank you, Pastor Sunga, for simple reminder the how, the before, the how, and the after. For the simple message of our simple salvation. Everything is so simple. Amen. Uh, 2019 is a year of extravagant blessing. That's from Romans 15, verse 29. And I'm sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. And November is the month of His glory. We have finished glory, the glory of one and only Son. That's from John 1 14. Uh, our Sunday service schedule is as follows English service from 7 30 a.m. to 9 30 a.m. But at 7, we normally have the session prayers, and uh, you are all welcome to join. Jewa starts from 10 to 12 noon. We also have uh, a prayer service every Saturday morning from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. right here at the church. Uh, and uh, you are all welcome to join. Uh, and again, another reminder December is the month of prayer and fasting for KNCC. Uh, I'm not too sure whether the guidelines are yet available yet. But if not, these uh, will be sent on the WhatsApp group and maybe printed copies will be at the back uh, next Sunday. Uh, we have announcement on the uh, building. There is a new committee, rather, a revamped building committee that has been set up. Uh, some of you will be asked to join. But if you are not asked for a point and you still think you can contribute, you can meet uh, Brother Levy. What is his name today? Brother Levy and ask uh, that you participate in that committee. Have a good day. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for these announcements. Um, we are on course for this year. Amen. We are on good course for this year. Um, I'm not so sure how much the problem is going to cost us, but the last that I got, the polls and everything, a brother managed to find a very good price. I think it's around 340000 for the polls. So I the work is going to start. Uh, I'm pretty sure this will be. Amen. Yeah, so that one I saw to the committee. <laughs> they will take it up and they'll be telling us uh, the updates. But I just felt that today we needed to know that. Thank you for the giving, if you've been giving. Uh, and also remember the pledges and uh, so that the work uh, continues. Uh, God has been good to us. The forecast was for rain by now, but it's not raining. So we thank God for that. Um, otherwise, uh, I want us to stand and we're going to uh, give the blessing and then we're going to go. Uh, Pastor and Dr. Melder and Amanda, uh, at, we went for El Shaddai's graduation yesterday. The guy graduated, he's finished. And uh, he, they, they'll be back, I think it's tomorrow, if not today. Okay, so that's why they're not in church. Pray for their trouble. Uh, so let's thank you. Lord, thank you for the simple salvation you got us and the simple house. I pray, O oh God, for your favor in our lives this week. I pray, O oh God, that you go ahead of us. Open up doors of opportunities for us to share Christ. No matter where we are in life, for God, or whatever is happening, we can 
share a message and say one thing I do know is that one, once I was blind, but now I see. And the man they call Jesus is the one who put mud in my eyes and told me to go and wash. And that's how I see. And that through these simple stories we tell our friends and colleagues, strangers, that there will be more and more people coming into your kingdom through us. And I pray, O oh God, that as you commit to your kingdom, you fulfill your word that says that when we seek after you, your righteousness, and your kingdom, you are going to add on all the things that even the pagan join after. That's my prayer, O oh God, for each and everyone who chooses to seek after you. In Jesus' mighty name, roll away the shame from your people, O oh God. As we set our hearts and minds to fulfill your will in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. And amen. Greet people, talk to somebody before you rush off. And God bless you for this one. Thank mm -hmm. you.